What's up, Hyperfast Nation? On this episode of the Hyperfast Wealth Show, I sat down with not one, but two amazing guests. One of them has had a nine-figure exit from the company he founded. The other has gone on to raise hundreds of millions of dollars for tech companies, software companies, all sorts of fund... Uh, What's up, Hyperfast Nation? On this episode of the Hyperfast Wealth Show, I sat down with not one, but two amazing guests. One of them created a software enterprise company that he had a nine-figure exit from. That's right, nine figures. The other gentleman has raised hundreds of millions of dollars for different types of companies. Welcome to the show, Christian Mack and Scott Ryan. Welcome to the show today, Scott and Christian, two guests. Uh, that's, we usually get one, so it's nice to have two. How are you guys doing, though? Great. Doing great. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you, Dan. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. You know, we, we get a lot of real estate agents on this show, a lot of real estate investors, and uh, you guys are in a different space, so I am excited to bring that to this audience. I know my, you know, I know from some other things we've done recently, uh, my audience seems to, the hyperfast audience seems to, you know, love what you guys are doing. So why don't you take a minute though and, and uh, introduce yourselves a little bit about your background, you know, how you got to where you are today. Well, um, absolutely. I'll go first because Christian's story is much more compelling. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a tech guy by trade, 25 years in the tech space. I've had three exits. Uh, the latest one was a company called Architel. It was an eight-figure exit. Um, in June of 2016, and then I pivoted into, uh, I started making private equity investments, some of them smart, some of them not so smart, so I figured I'd spend some time and learn the space, so I went and got my securities uh, licenses, which I'm a history major with a minor in economics and Spanish, so that was hard labor for me to get my security mm. exams, um, did that, and then started raising capital for clients, so in, in 2018 and 19, I raised about a uh, little north of 100 million bucks. Uh, and then the world stopped in 2020. Uh, and so I, I took a break and I met Christian in, in, 20, uh, in, in October of 2020 through a group called GoBundance, which is quite a few uh, real estate investors, uh, by and large, mostly real estate investors. Uh, but we started socializing uh, what's called Lotus Fund 3. Go ahead, Christian. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, so basically, I Came from humble beginnings. Uh, my, my father is a uh, Lutheran missionary, uh, foreign and domestic. Uh, my mom is a retired, uh, you know, home ec teacher. And so, you know, basically, you know, grew up, uh, you know, throughout the United States, uh, actually lived in Australia for four years. Um, you know, went to, uh, you know, was always pretty good at math. It was always kind of a combination of math was kind of my sweet spot. And then, then ultimately, um, you know, was also kind of an entrepreneur. So I remember, you know, raking leaves, shoveling snow. Um, we never got an allowance. So it was always uh, something where if you wanted to make money, you had to go out and, and uh, do it. So that, that kind of translated uh, into going to college. I, I got into the University of Chicago. I thought I wanted to become a math professor. 
um, but uh, couldn't really necessarily pay for school uh, with my parents' uh, income. And so I had to take a you know full-time uh, IT job to put myself through school. So I was going to school full-time, you know, working full-time um, in, in the IT department. I uh, always loved computers uh, as a result of shoveling snow and raking leaves and cutting people's grass. Uh, I uh, you know, was able to kind of cobble together enough money to, to pay for a computer back in high school and uh, was able to assemble it uh, myself. And, and uh, that was kind of neat. But when I went to college, I was one of the very few folks that actually had much experience with computers. And so that led to the, you know, my, uh, my first, uh, you know, full-time job. And so I did that. I graded papers. I was a, a teacher's assistant uh, to, uh, uh, to a math class, uh, you know, from a freshman year on. And I was on my way to get my PhD. And this was uh, between 94 and 98. Um, I like to joke around because uh, back then, you know, everyone uh, thought the world was going to fall apart with uh, Y2K and I could spell IT. Um, you know, I was instantaneously being recruited uh, like crazy, but I kind of had this trajectory going to uh, uh, become a PhD candidate. And, uh, you know, instead of doing that, though, I realized that I didn't really want to be a professor. Um, I was that was definitely not my kind of skill set. And yeah, I realized very quickly I was going to be like 60 years old by the time I was going to have to pay off these student loans. And so I, uh, you know, was a, became an enterprise IT consultant for about a year and a half. And then I realized very quickly that the government takes a lot of money out of your, <laughs> out of your W-2 income. And so that was even going to be uh, something that uh, might be a little bit longer. And so I started my first company in 1999. Um, and uh, it was a company that, uh, we, you know, I, I didn't have much money. I called up uh, my parents. I remember this uh, to this day. And I said, hey, this probably will go uh, belly up. Uh, and if so, can I move back in with you guys? And uh, they said, uh, sure. And so I, I, kicked <laughs> off, uh, I kicked off the races. I called up a couple of folks that I, I figured I could train up and said, hey, look, I can't really pay you much um, in terms of you know, uh, salary, but I can give you room and board. And I had just bought um, a house, a four-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath house. And we had 13 people living in a four bedroom, two and a half bath house for about a year. Um, and the, wow. yeah, the, the objective really was, you know, we would, you know, I would bill out during the day as you know, I would, you know, basically get at the client site, usually four or five o'clock in the morning. Uh, I would work, I would put in my 12 hours, 13 hours of billing time. I would come home uh, and I would train up people. I would work on the website I'd work on the business plan, work on coding the software uh, that uh, ultimately uh, became our, our business because we, 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 we had to start out in the services arena, uh, enterprise IT services arena, but we knew very quickly that billable time is great, but there's only so much billable time in the day and, and really software was, was really where we wanted to end up. And so, um, you know, we would do that and, and I would literally fall asleep at my desk, um, you know, and people would, you know, come wake me up, um, you know, and say, okay, Christian, you know, you gotta, you gotta give up. And so I'd wake up, you know, I wouldn't sleep very much. And, and we would do that Monday through, you know, Saturday. Um, and then Sunday uh, we would recruit and then we would take off half the day. So, uh, and we did that for about a year uh, and the company just grew like crazy. And after a year, uh, everyone, you know, the company did extremely, the first year, I think we did over a million in revenue. Second year, we did about two and a half. Um, and that, by about that point, I said, okay, everyone, we're making decent money. You know, get, get the heck out of the house, right? So, <laughs> so, so uh, you know, so basically, uh, yeah, my neighbors loved me. I had uh, like, you know, 12 cars. It was, it was, it was fantastic. Uh, so uh, uh, outside, it was, it was interesting. But, um, uh, but yeah, that grew, continued to grow. It was, uh, it was definitely a roller coaster ride, um, I will say. And we learned things always the hard way. Uh, we never, we didn't have any, really any kind of mentorship. We, um, 
Uh, we had uh, folks that um, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, were were super, you know, uh, you know, would hustle, would work really hard, uh, but we never we never took on any kind of institutional capital, investment capital, and so but we grew it organically, um, and we went from basically zero to you know ultimately speaking uh, fifty million uh, in revenue, and uh, the company is still around today. Uh, the company's name is called uh, Resolve, and you know. Uh, ultimately, we we sold it in uh, 2012 uh, t- uh, for a nine-figure exit, which was which was fantastic. And and uh, you know the the people that uh, you know uh, started out with us uh, did uh, did extremely well, which I'm so helpful helpful for or thankful for. And uh, you know I did too. And at that point, I decided to start a family office, uh, which you know basically to to take the the monies uh, that that we had received uh, in that exit and, and look to diversify you know those assets. And we did that. But during that time, I started to talk to a bunch of other family offices. And, and it was interesting because I was in, I'm in Southern California. And a lot of the folks at the family office world in general, not just in Southern California, uh, they're really real estate focused. Um, and so, you know, that really technology focused. And so a lot of people would, would share deals with me uh, surrounding technology opportunities. And quite frankly, you know, 99% of them that I looked at, um, you know, my reaction would be, you know, I think you have better odds, of, you know, going to Vegas um, and 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 getting your money and getting your money back than uh, than investing in these deals because uh, you know they're all like pre-revenue uh, and uh, you know not even through the proof of concept phase. And so, you know, that kind of spurred me to start writing down um, uh, what ultimately was a 300-page methodology uh, around, you know, how to you know, how, how to, you know, how to go from zero to a million, how to go from one to two and a half million, you know, how to go from two and a half to five, five to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 50, because those are resistance points uh, that, that I noticed along the way um, that were a function of doing things, you know, from best practice uh, basis from a back office. So finance, HR, and IT, and then ultimately from a front office. um, So sales, business development, marketing, and then from a leadership basis. And so if you're not doing certain things, it's going to be very difficult for an enterprise software company to, to really, you know, uh, break through that, that, those glass ceilings. And so I wrote that. And then ultimately, it became kind of an investment thesis, uh, a playbook, if you will. Um, so uh, by which, you know, we, we would uh, identify, you know, you know, great, you know, opportunities, you know, uh, like in real estate, location is everything. Um, in the enterprise software world, um, product is everything. And so if you can recognize a, a company that is, you know, call it a $5 million company, you know, not necessarily pre-revenue, it's not, that's not necessarily of interest because that's the highest risk. If you're an enterprise software company, like 99% of enterprise software companies fail to reach a million dollars in revenue. But there's a lot of companies out there that are above a million, but that are all below a certain feeding frenzy. So they're too big for venture capital, but they're too small for traditional private equity companies. And so I thought, well, we have this playbook. Well, why don't we buy these, these companies that have you know, hit you know, a, you know, um, you know, kind of stagnated a little bit, right? They're still great companies. They've got great product. Just like location is everything in real estate, product is everything in enterprise software. So it's just that they're not necessarily doing, um, you know, things correctly from a, or best practice wise from a back office or front office basis, but we could help out in that. And so we, the, the thesis was, let's, let's create a buyout growth firm whereby we can come in, we can implement our playbook. Uh, we have control. So we have 51% uh, or more uh, and we'll help really grow these companies. And, you know, we'll have, we'll take the founder who more than likely is more of a CTO type because, you know, they're really product focused um, and, you know, you know, allow them to really focus in on the product uh, as like a CTO. And then we'll bring in a, a you know, new leader uh, that uh, has been through the exit process before and can really kind of help, you know, uh, really kind of supercharge, you know, the revenues and, and uh, the profits as well. 
and, and do so. And, and uh, we started Fund One in 2014. And, and again, from a real estate analogy basis, it's, it's like identifying the best property, you know, location wise, uh, you know, but it just needs a little bit of work, right? It needs, uh, needs some electrical work, it needs some plumbing from a back office basis, it needs some, some paint, a landscaping done, maybe new appliances, that's more of the front office analogy. And then all, once you're done through that from a general contractor basis, you know, you've, you've created a lot of value. Um, and then what we do, which is really exciting to, to me, is we create a lot of jobs in this process, right? We, we service a, a need uh, that I believe there's a gap um, whereby a lot of the private capital out there uh, is really going uh, way up north, uh, meaning you have to be certain size before private equity really kind of pays attention. But there's a feeding frenzy of capital beyond beyond it. You know, beyond if you're an enterprise software company and really you're beyond 20 million in revenue and you're profitable, you know, there's a lot of people that are very interested in talking to you, um, especially if you have a product uh, in a specific segment. Right. And so, you know, but before that, you got to get there, right? So, uh, uh, you know, and, and then and then you have the big guys out there. They're always, you know, they're innovating through acquisitions. And so, you know, the the area that I think we really serve is is that is that space. And in doing so, I think we we really help not only fill the gap from a capital basis, but also from an innovation uh, basis as well. So that's something I'm really passionate about too. But uh, you know, as Scott mentioned, you know, Fund One did really well. Fund Two did really well, and then we're kind of off to the races on Fund Three. But that's uh, that's my uh, background. Uh, so. <laughs> it's an amazing story. I mean, just such a, such, you know, such, such humble beginnings to, to, you know, now raising hundreds of millions of dollars for that you're going to inject into these companies and, and help them go through the process that you did. So it's, it's really cool. Like all the different people and lives that you are touching. Do you ever miss those those days where it's like 14 of you in the house and there must've been like such a camaraderie and just uh, kind of we're, we're, we're going to either all go down together or, or make it kind of big attitude. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny. Cause um, you know, none of, you know, none of us had MBAs. I mean, we were, you know, let's see here. It was 99. So I was 23 years old. Um, so, you know, you know, had, you know, <laughs> you know, did had no idea what, what, what to expect. And so, you know, Yes, definitely, you know, um, the camaraderie, but I would say that, that I think we were also very singularly focused on, on the mission, uh, which was to, to help launch something and uh, to create something that was great. And, you know, I'm very, very proud of the fact uh, that we were able to do that. And so uh, it's been, it's been wonderful, but uh, no, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't miss those sleepless nights <laughs> you know, where, you know, I only got like one or two hours sleep. It's, you know, still working hard and all that stuff, but uh, now, thankfully, I'm, I'm more up to like six hours of sleep uh, a night. So, uh, but, uh, but I, you know, I, I really enjoy uh, what I do. I think it's uh, something where uh, it, 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 you know, this is something where we're making a big difference. Uh, we're doing something, you know, really, you know, great. And, and, uh, you know, it's just a matter of kind of scaling out, which re what really was a proof of concept that just so happened to kind of fall into. It wasn't, you know, I like, like to think of myself as a strategy guy, a process guy, but in reality, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, it was just this kid that, uh, you know, really, really loved to read Computer Shopper back in the day. You, you may remember, uh, Dan, you're probably too young, but there was these magazines that are about this thick <laughs> and you would flip through them and you would buy your video card, you buy your motherboard, you buy your CPU and, and you had to put all this together. And, and I would buy that magazine with, without having much money and I would kind of conceptually put it, put the, the pieces of a computer together. And, you know, today I like to think I'm kind of doing the same thing just at a higher level. So. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're, you're kind of like the, uh, your story reminds me of, of Elon Musk, like when he's <laughs> sleeping on, on, you know, on the factory at Tesla and the things 
we don't know if it's going to work out yet or not, or, you know, no one really probably knew about it to the level that they do now, but that, that is part of, you know, his, his story. Like, you know, I think it was in the early 2000s, like sleeping on the factory of the Tesla, you know, where they made Oh it. yeah. Oh yeah. And, and the reason why actually it's kind of funny, the reason why I uh, even decided to go down this path is I, I read, uh, you know, back when I was 20, uh, I think 22, maybe early 23, uh, I read uh, Robert Kiyosaki's book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, you know, I, I, I never had much background in, um, in real estate, but I just knew that there was a tremendous demand in this IT space. And I thought, well, if I could become a business owner, uh, then, you know, I think that, you know, this, this might change things. And uh, it was true. So there was a, there was a lot of uh, that book really, you know, changed my life uh, for sure. You know, allowed me to kind of go down that path because otherwise I'm pretty confident I would just it stayed in the W2 kind of, you know, consulting realm, you know, for, for a long time. I enjoyed that work, but I really felt like, you know, I really needed to do something uh, much more significant in life. I, I, I think, got it. Oh, I think you know, Christian, just to jump in here for a minute, Christian's super humble. I mean, the reality is this, you know, he's, you know, when I joined this firm, you know, as a, as a partner in the family office, Terra Rosa, you know, I met five other guys that were extremely competent from a, from an operator execution perspective, but what I found with Christian is he's much more of a process guy, um, but he took that knowledge, right? The 50 Fortune 100 clients that they had at Resolve Systems, and he built an advisory board. So the secret sauce of, of, of Lotus Fund 1, 2, and 3, the reason we've had such incredible returns is the advisory board actually sources the hip pocket deals for us. So advisory board is made up of uh, his clients. So AT&T, US Cellular, JP Morgan, Department of Defense, SAP, Oracle. They, they, the, reason, the reason those companies innovate is they buy innovation. So they'll, they'll buy a product, right, that, will, that they'll like, and they'll, they'll say, hey, these guys are too small for us to purchase, but they need growth capital. Christian, can you inject growth capital and grow these companies up? And so, what, of course, what we do is we socialize that software to, you know, if AT&T brings us the deal, we socialize it to SAP, Oracle, you know, JP Morgan. And if they say, we will actually buy this product, we love this product, then we acquire the business. You know, we're about to list one of our portfolio companies on the Toronto Stock Exchange. We've already socialized the product to, to the other companies in our, te our technical advisory board. So we, we, we're able to proof software before we actually be before we purchase the company and that's because of what christian did with resolve so he's building this process this inherent value add not only do we find hip pocket deals to use the real estate analogy but our value add can triple ebitda in in a six-month time frame that's incredible it it makes our companies look like unicorns so these these companies that are on your advisory board they will consult you on what they like or don't like about these products and then if so you know before you buy the company like how many more clients or we know that we're going to build in we know that we're going to yes we know that we're going to triple ebitda before we buy the business and now we've added a component so normally we pay two times revenue for the companies and we can sell them in the private sector which is what we did in fund one and two for about seven to eight times revenue, right? So that's how you can deliver a two and a half times multiple on your money, right? Now we're going to list them in the public market. And I mean, uh, yeah. you know, much like, you know, much like you have, you know, when, when you look at a house uh, that needs a lot of work, right? You, you got to have your electrician that, you know, obviously they have certifications, right? You have your plumber has certifications, right? Licenses and all that stuff. And there's a lot of complicated work and you have to hire 
specialists uh, to do this stuff, you know, maybe not so much painting and landscaping, but, uh, you know, you, you still need your business license, but, you know, it's that kind of thing, uh, specialists. And, and this playbook is very specific, you know, to, you know, what is ultimately the acquisition stage, uh, you know, then ultimately the integration stage and the restoration stage and, and growth and then exit. And those are the five different stages of a life cycle of an enterprise software company that then kind of, you know, breaks down into what finance needs to do, you know, within that stage um, and so forth and so on. And, right. you know, it's, it's a, it's a repeatable, scalable playbook um, and, and people, there's a lot of specialists out there that are certified, you know, in this you know, particular space. And, you know, we leverage that and we train up just like my first company, we train up people, you know, to, to really kind of learn, you know, the, the, the wherewithal and to do that. Cause it's, it's not an easy task uh, by any uh, stretch of the imagination. And then, you know, going public is a whole nother, you know, uh, painful <laughs> kind of process. But the good news is we've uh, got that, uh, you know, that's kind of our recent kind of, uh, you know, uh, process that we've learned. But even that you can really kind of dial in. And if you if you you know, start with the end in mind, a lot of that stuff you can do ahead of time so that it's not as painful, you know, uh, towards the tail end. So it's uh, it's great. Well, I, I think it's really rare, and I just want to point this out to the people listening, watching, that it's really rare for a founder to, to get something off the ground successfully, that that's one specific skill set, uh, but then to stay on and, and get it to where you did, that's, that's a different kind of skill set altogether. Not everyone has, has both of those, right? And, and like some of the things that probably make you good at founding and and that initial success they probably actually hinder you you know to get from five million to a hundred million or you know because it's it's just a, so different yeah it's a really good point dan and, and one of the one of the things that we do right so what are we doing you know from a downside risk mitigation perspective we're buying companies that are three to five years old right they're they're they've got five to ten fortune 100 clients that they've sold to, right? So they're, they're, these are sticky three to five year contracts, right? It's a, it's a long-term play and it's more expensive to rip and replace than it is to, to, to buy additional products from that company. So there's tremendous opportunity. They're just not in as many clients as like Resolve Systems it was potentially. That's what we bring to the table. But to your point, typically what's happened is these companies have been flat for the last two years. Like EBITDA has been steady, right? They're, they've plateaued because to your point, the business owner, the CEO, is a is a, he's a, normally an innovator. He's a product developer, right? And so he knows how to develop product. So his skill set got him there. He has great product. What you know, what what um, Christian makes an analogy towards location, like in real estate, it's a great location. It's a great software product, but he doesn't have the sales and marketing chops to go to the next level. So we always replace the CEO. So that's why we we always replace the CEO, make the CEO a CTO to keep the established relationships, but then replace him with a new CEO that has a much bigger uh, company uh, experience level and can go to the next level. Because to your point, you're exactly right. Going from one to 10 is a fundamentally different exercise than going from 10 to 100. Well, and my, my guess is a lot of these people who are good at going from one to 10 you know, it's because they were innovative. It's because they were, they were good at doing a lot of the work. Yeah. And that probably actually hinders them from going to 10 to a hundred because they, they need to learn how to delegate more, learn how to hire people with, with different specialties and expertise. And, and a lot of them, it's like their passion. They were, they were on the couch, you know, right. 20, 20 hour days, like, like Christian, like you used to be. And, and, 
like there's probably things that they should let go that they don't really want to. My guess is a lot of their identity gets tied up in okay. that. And, and it, you know, you know, so ultimately it's, it's cool that you guys have kind of created this process to, to help people make the jump that you did. And, and the, the founder still gets the benefit in a huge way from it. Well, and, and the goal, and the goal is hopefully that the founder also is coached up, right. You know, from the various different, you know, back, you know, disciplines, right. So that they can then they themselves, if they want to absorb this information and, you know, you know, be able to do it, you know, themselves again, you know, in the future, or, you know, so that these founders, once they have a successful exit and they're financially free, if they, if they choose, uh, like, you know, when I, when I sold my business, you know, I think I was retired for all of, you know, three minutes, um, you know, uh, you know, it's just, it just, you know, I, I like golf, but I'm not very good at it. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's something where, you know, my, I, I love, I love, I love this uh, particular, you know, uh, you know, realm, you know, that uh, we find ourselves in uh, today. But, uh, uh, but ultimately speaking, you know, I think a lot of these founders, uh, you know, get to the point where even after they have enough money in their bank account, you know, they want to come back and, and they want to help, you know, other folks, right, to learn kind of similar, you know, uh, similar processes and, and, uh, you know, mentorship. And, and you're absolutely right, Dad. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if you can imagine you, you know, someone who started an enterprise software company, let's call it $5 million in revenue, you know, they have, they have, they have spent so much blood, sweat and tears and in, in creating it, it is their identity, you know, and, and so it, it's really tough for them to let go, you know, by the end of the day, you know, you, you, you can only bash your head against a brick wall so often you start looking around for help, you know, there's, there's Lotus, we're here to help, you know, here's how we can help. And you can learn a lot through that process. And that hopefully emboldens them such that the next time around, where there's other, you know, folks in similar situations, those people, they themselves can be that CEO, right, to help them, to help these other new folks, you know, through that process. And so, you know, that's, that's where you get a lot of, you know, economies of scale uh, with the system. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty exciting to see. Scott, I want to circle back to something you said in your opening remarks about your, your capital raising, the volume you were doing, it was, I mean, it sounded like huge numbers in 18, 19, and then, and then COVID hit and it, it got harder, it seems like. And I still remember those first couple of months, you know, banks kind of closed their fist a little more, private investors the same, uh, but, you know, everything, everything actually turned out like way better than people probably thought that first well, I, I, what I would say is, you know, there were certain industries, Christians specifically, I was, I was raising money for some different clients, you know, we were doing manufacturing, and there were supply chain issues. And that that really, you know, everybody got alligator arms, right? All the ultra high net worth folks were like, I think real estate's going to drop. So I'm going to save all my dry powder for real estate. So we really, I stopped fundraising in 20, in 2020, really from March on blown away. But it makes sense, right? Because what is what are our swim lanes? It's it's automation, it's collaboration software, it's it's AI, it's machine learning, and you know, it, platform as a service, infrastructure as a service, software as a service specifically. And what happened during that time frame? Well, everybody, there was a massive um, distribution of the workforce, right? Everybody worked from home, and then there was a lot of layoffs, right? A bunch of big Fortune 100 companies did cutbacks. So that doesn't mean their production stops. Their production has to actually improve and they got to do it with less people. So suddenly automation and collaboration software is mission critical. So just as those companies do really well, the swim lanes that, that Lotus is in, they do really well during good times. They do even better during downturns. 
And so it that, you know, the reason we've been able to raise so much money is yes, of course, we're one of our companies is being listed. So we'll do a big cash distribution in Q1 for investors that get in now. But we also see other other groups that are really attracted to what we do. What I mean by that is we've got a group in I'm out of Dallas, Texas. There's a company here in Dallas called Beneficent, and they will they will pay LPs if they want to get out before, you know, we've got about a, a five-year invest and harvest period, right? So we'll start selling companies, um, you know, in, in year like three, four, and five, because we've been around for two years, this fund. Um, but you can get out early with uh, Beneficent at a 20% discount to net asset value or current value. So we've got liquidity coming out from Beneficent. We're going to do a distribution in Q1. We pay an 8% dividend that we start in August of 2020. That's long-term capital gains. We utilize something called QSBS, Qualified Small Business Stock. So when we exit companies, investors don't pay long-term capital gains. They only pay their state taxes. So this has been a- So wait, they, don't, they, don't, they don't pay any- Long-term capital gains, correct. If you buy a company under 50 million and you structure it correctly- and we won't always do this, but this is the reason right. we're extending our we're extending the fund. This is why we're not doing a three and a four year fund like we did in fund one and two, respectively. We're going to hold for five years so that uh, LP investors don't pay long term capital gains; they just pay state tax. So you won't pay federal taxes on on your That's gains. That's right. Think of like it's almost like opportunity zones, but instead hmm. of a ten year hold, it's a five year hold, and it's something that uh, they they put on the infrastructure bill to to knock it off but it, it didn't get uh that didn't pass so it sticks it's stuck around and it's about a 30 year old program right christian yep yeah, it's a program by the sba it's been around forever and it's, it's basically to encourage people to invest in small businesses which makes sense but wow, talk, to your, uh, talk to your shocking. tax professional <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm glad i live in florida then <laughs> that's right but we've raised most of our money actually out of austin believe it or not that's where a lot of uh, capital has come out of so we we you know our 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 We've been 85% travel, so it's there's no magic here. It's it's hard work, but it's getting the message out and explaining to people that they, they can get an 8% dividend, you know, on an annual basis, paid quarterly. You know, they we get two you know two and a half times plus their monies um, each you know in a four year period. So that's fantastic returns. They can get out early if they want to, and then the QSBS program. So they've built an incredible product, and it's really just um, sharing the message with people. Everybody, you know, everybody likes to jump in and we've got a hundred thousand dollar minimum. So um, there's an opportunity to invest and we're a commitment fund, which means we pull down 20% a year. So like I said, we're two years old. So you would, you know, if somebody wanted to jump in, they'd pay $40,000 today. And then we pull down another 20% each respective January at the end of the month of January. So, um, so that's, that's how the program works. So it's a, it's a way to sort of stair step your way, dip your toe into private equity for fantastic returns that you might not see in uh, in real estate. Yeah, I am. I'm. I know. I'm. I'm personally investing. I'm. I'm super excited. So if, if anyone's listening today wants more information, you know, you can you can reach out to me, and I I gladly connect you with um, Scott and Christian and and the people in their group that can help. So you can email me Dan at danlesniak.com or, or send me a message on Instagram or, or however you prefer, but um, putting, putting your fund aside uh, or, or this fund aside, what would your advice be to people out there? Um, you know, in any industry, we get a lot of in real estate on this show, 
but that, that need to raise capital to expand what they're doing. What do you think the keys are to, to successfully doing that for the person who's never done it before and is just starting out? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really helpful to join different groups. Like there's a group called Tiger 21, which is a $10 million minimum. Uh, there's a group called GoBundance Champions is a $10 million minimum. The three of us, the three of us actually met in GoBundance, right? In the champions group. But they also have a group for, for folks starting out that's elite, I think is like one to 10 million uh, is my understanding. So that's in these numbers are uh, net, worth. Net, net worth, just so people don't think it's like the dues or something. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, these are really good organizations. We've raised a lot of money inside those organizations because what you have is a lot of, you know, obviously high net worth, but like minded individuals that are looking for great opportunities. You have to have a great product. There's no question about that. But after that, you have to be able to market that product to, to like minded individuals. And you want to, you know, you want to fish in ponds where there's a lot of fish. You want, you want people that have the financial wherewithal and, and level of sophistication to understand a great opportunity when they see it. Um, we, we had a, we have a million dollar minimum on a direct investment, uh, but we lowered it down when I showed up to a hundred thousand, because just as we're bringing innovation to the, the, the small business owner, we're putting innovation back in the hands of innovators is, is our mission with uh, Lotus fund three. I also, you know, we also want to give opportunities for folks to get a 40, 50, 60, 70% return IRR on their capital if, if possible. And it shouldn't be only for the the elite million dollar minimum commitment folks. So that's really what we've tried to do. And I think we've, we've done a good job of it because we've raised most of our money in the you know, 100,000 to 500,000 denominations, frankly. Yeah, I would but, just add to that. I mean, you know, in these groups, you know, it's not, it's not you know, uh, you make no mistake. I mean, when you join these groups, it's not about soliciting, right? That's, that's not, you know, that's not something that, um, you know, is, um, you know, is, is encouraged or something that you should really do, but just being within those groups, people are, people are naturally just going to ask, you know, you know, if, especially if they're interested and they, they are looking for, you know, deals to invest in. And it just happens organically and naturally. And the only thing I would just add up on top of that is, is I think for those that are looking um, for, for assistance, whether it's fundraising or just in general, you know, one of the things that, that I should have done earlier on is, is ask for mentorship, right? So there's a lot of people out there that are willing to help. Um, you just have to ask. And, and sometimes people don't have time, you know, that's fine. Um, but if you can, you know, depending on your situation, if you can find somebody that has been super successful in what it is that, that you know, you do, and you ask them to be your mentor, it's amazing how much opportunity um, or how many potholes you'll avoid, you know, by interacting with them and, and all that good stuff. And it's a huge time saver. I wish I would have done it. I would have I guarantee you it would have taken me 13 years to sell a company. I probably would have done it in a third of the time if I had, if I had done that, mm. but I had so I had so many, I was just so focused that I had my blinders on that. I didn't even think about that until, uh, until, you know, much, much later. My first mentor, I, I, I took on in, I think 2010, 2011. So just to give you an idea. And then all of a sudden, like things just started happening. So it, it was great. Yeah. I think taking the time to go to events invest in networking groups, both money and time. It, it really pays off. A, yeah, you'll meet people you'll do deals with. You'll learn how they do it. So uh, you'll, you'll get energized and motivated by it. Uh, there's, there's just so much that happens. And, and the biggest thing I think is, it, it, like you said, Christian, it compresses time. If you, if you had done it earlier, you probably could have grown it faster, saved years. Uh, I hear that from people all the time and, and, I feel that way myself too, sometimes about 
you know, some of the businesses and uh, things I've done in real estate that if I had, you know, gone to this event or, or had a mentor sooner, it, you know, not, not that I regret anything, but it would have happened faster. Right. So it's, it's a time-saving thing. Uh, and it's, it's one of those things too, like, you know, entrepreneurs, real estate agents, developers, like, like we're super busy an event comes up, you know, we don't feel like we've got the time to like break away and do it. But then after you go to it, you always come away feeling like, wow, I'm so glad I did that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so yeah, and, and we actually, we have an event for real estate agents that's, that's coming up It'll probably be a few weeks after this uh, show actually broadcasts down in Boca Raton, Florida. So if you're an agent listening, you want to come, you know, talk to agents uh, or, or an event where you'll get to network with agents that are doing like a thousand deals a year, like our team did, or, um, you know, Tat Lindano from Canada. She'll, she's got 2.5 million followers on TikTok. Uh, she'll be at it. We've got a lender speaking that did uh, half a billion in volume last year. Uh, you know, if you want to be around those kind of people for a really, really low price, uh, go to hfasummit.com. And uh, our podcast listeners, if you put in the code podcast25, you get 25% off if there's still tickets left. I don't know if there will be then, but again, it's hfasummit.com and use the code podcast25. Uh, guys, this has been an amazing episode. I've, I've learned a ton. I know the people that have watched it or, and, or, or that will watch it, will listen to it, will learn a ton as well. I always like to end with a hyper fast round. If you, you guys are ready for some rapid fire questions, we can kind of, you guys, you can, Let's you can do it. team them, I guess. All right. What's your biggest piece of advice to a new entrepreneur? Persistence. Never give hustle. up. What, what do you say, Christian? Hustle. Hustle. Yeah. Head hard hustle. Get in there. All right. What's the biggest mistake you see successful entrepreneurs or business people make? They rest on their laurels. And, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we take pride in our work. Our joke at, uh, at Lotus Fund is uh, if you don't come in on Saturday, don't bother coming in on Sunday. And we joke about that. But <laughs> if you're having a great time, then it's not work. Right. And work can be part of life. It's just you, you focus on the balance. But, you you know, you got to, you, you know, you got to work like someone's trying to steal your business because they are right. The competition is for sure. What yeah. would you say, Christian? Uh, I would say that a lot of entrepreneurs, I, uh, you know, get in over their skis. So they build it, you know, in the hopes that something comes um, instead of taking a more organic approach um, and, and both personally, as well as on the business side. And so, you know, always, always stay humble, you know, um, stay within your means, you know, don't, don't, you know, don't, uh, don't go down a path where, you're going to spend all this money and hope that that, you know, something's going to come to fruition. All this, all this revenue is going to come in, right. You know, do it organically, do it step-by-step -step, methodical process. Don't, don't go out and buy the Ferrari just because you got a, you, you got a deal and, and uh, you know, what have you like save, save your reserves, like keep your, keep your reserve tank, you know, full and both on the business side and personal side. Cause uh, it's super important. You never know when you're going to hit a, a resistance point and you're going to, you're going to need that to, to, to persevere through. Love that. What's the biggest challenge you've, you've each had in business and how'd you overcome it? I've had, I've had, you know, I, I, I share my three successful exits. I've had four horrific failures. So, but people never, they want to hear about that at the cocktail party, right? They just want to hear about your, your wins. So, I mean, you know, I've, I've had, uh, you know, we, we, we forgot to pay sales tax one time for two years and, 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 and that was expensive and just, 
you know, got bad advice from, I won't name the name of the CPA, but um, we were told that we didn't have to because it was a consulting company. So, you know, I think, I think the best advice is you've got to know more about your business than everyone. So don't rely on the CPA firm, the law firm, you've got to go deep, you got to deep dive and do your own research, right? And, and, and never rely on someone else because it's your money at the end of the day. So treat it as such, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that in general, um, you know, it's important to have an open mind uh, to, to to Scott's point, you know, but trust but verify, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like uh, if a CPA is telling you one thing, you know, try to get a couple of other opinions, um, and you know, it's always good to be, it's good to be open minded, right? It, you know, it's amazing what happens uh, through the brainstorming process, especially if you're in one of these peer networking groups uh, and so forth and so on. But before you basically make, um, you know, uh, you know, a decision. Um, you know, like, you know, make sure that it's, it's, it's checked out, you know, with a number of trusted resources, because uh, that's super helpful to avoid, you know, those potholes where you're going to need to, you know, if you don't pay your sales tax, you're going to need to dig into that tank of reserves for sure, because, uh, you know, the government always gets paid. <laughs> so. right. What, uh, what do you guys do for fun when you're not, when you're not working? <laughs> exactly. We're, yeah. Freaking flyer miles. <laughs> We collect we, 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 read, uh, we read books on work-life balance, Dan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now we, we joke around. Travel is, is, I mean, look, we travel around a lot. You know, most uh, yeah, obviously for work, uh, but uh, we, you know, we, we do. We we work hard, but uh, I always like to think that we play. We play hard too. You know, uh, it's uh, it's it's you know you, you know when you when you do what you love, uh, you never really work a day in your life, right? So uh, you know, so you know, how can you? parlay that into from a hobby perspective, you know, yeah, travel, you know, food, you know, wine, so it's definitely uh, something that, uh, that I, that I enjoy. And, and the good news is you can do all those things, you know, while uh, you're quote unquote working as well. All right. Last one. Where do you see, where do you see yourself in five years? Good question. Fun five. <laughs> So I think I think I think in five years, uh, I I believe that uh, Lotus will be you know um, you know a billion dollar you know fund, um, you know uh, you know in total in terms of assets under management. Um, I think that uh, you know I I see a vision where where uh, we we have a you know a, you know we have you know Steve Schwartzman always says you got to hire tens right. So uh, and right now I think we have got a really good core of, of people right now, but we want to continue to to hire tens to 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 farm up you know folks uh, that are already tens. So they just you know you know uh, it just takes some mentorship and then leadership. Uh, but uh, uh, but yeah, I, I see this ultimately speaking where where you know we, you know Scott and I don't have to work the you know you know eighty hour plus you know uh, work weeks. You know, we, we can, we can still do what we love, but, uh, you know, in a much more reasonable time and get, and kind of, kind of find uh, that work-life balance that, uh, so eludes us right now. So. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. This was amazing. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier to listeners and viewers, if, if you want to kind of learn more about what what these guys are doing, you can, you can always reach out to me, Dan at danlesniak.com or, or my Instagram mess, you know, DM, uh, the Dan Lesniak there. Uh, and is, is there any place they can go if they want to connect with you guys or social media or, or just in general um, that we should give out? <laughs> Yeah, we we get the we can get the link, um, you know, to uh, Tom's, um, you know, Tom stuff for sure. Yeah, no problem. Okay. Cool. So we'll we'll put a link in the uh, in the show notes for the I guess it's the the special 
uh, placement vehicle that that, uh, that that someone that Tom has set up that is what allows people to get in for less than that million dollar amount. That's correct. That's right. Yeah. And I not to throw out my cell phone, but you can always give me a shout <laughs> um, at two one four two zero seven zero six hundred. All right. Well, thank you very much, guys, for being on today to all of our listeners and viewers. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we, we hope you got a ton of value out of it. I know I did. And uh, if you did, please leave us some feedback. Let us know in the comments what you liked and did not like and share this with other people that you think could benefit from hearing or watching. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hyper Fat Show. Subscribe to us if you want to make sure you get the latest and greatest Hyper Fat Shows. And remember, we love reviews. Reviews help us bring better and better guests and improve our shows. So give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time.